you're listening to The Private Citizen, defending your right to have something to hide. This is episode 111 for Thursday, the 17th of March, 2022. Peak hypocrisy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. My name is Fab. Come to you live from Düsseldorf in Germany. Um, yeah, nice, nice, nice for you to, uh, to, to join me um, on this Thursday. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get back to to Wednesday uh, releases soon, probably next week, um, and we're gonna talk about uh, about Facebook today and the hypocrisy. Also, an update on the Biden laptop, uh, which I think uh, we have to talk about. Uh, but before we get into that, yeah, it's I'm already I'm I'm again a day late. Uh, my actual my excuse this time once again. Uh, I, I I had a tattoo done yesterday. Well, I had the the, the you know it, it was done in two parts, so it was finished yesterday, and um, I just like in my head I just taken the day off, and I just didn't want to, um, you know, I just want to give myself into a little bit of pain. Actually, it's not that bad. Actually, it's just like um, today, it also it just feels like I've, I've been I've been beaten up a little bit on my arm, but it's actually quite okay. But I took the day off anyway. I actually did stream yesterday and played some Elden Ring, which uh, I'm currently addicted to. Um, yeah, I say this because, of course, I'm streaming this episode as well, um, live on Twitch as we recorded. There's already people in the chat um, yeah, making fun of me that this was the second take, because on the first take I couldn't say Thursday. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm probably just gonna, I'm going to... I don't know. Uh, in the gaming accident chat, making fun, I, I might have, uh, I might have said the seventeenth of Margit, which is a boss in Elden Ring. But anyway, let's not get into that. Let's let's talk about um, politics today. Well, politics. Yeah, I guess it's 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 politics. It's you know, um, I've I've been talking on the show a lot um, about hate speech and why I think like the so-called fight to hate uh, fight against hate speech is a problem. And I think today I got a I got a news story that is a complete like what the fuck story that really like encapsulates it. Um, so, but before we want before we talk about that, I want to give an update on the uh, Biden laptop story because uh, something uh, really important happened today. Actually, breaking news. Breaking news here. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, you you might remember uh, on episode eighty four, uh, this was um, the eighteenth of November, twenty twenty. Um, I was talking to Mike. Uh, we were talking about Trump, Biden, the media. This was, um, you know, just 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 before the election. And um, oh, actually, no, the episode was after the election, of course. Yeah, this was obviously after the ac- election. But we talked about the Hunter Biden laptop story. I think I talked about it before the election as well. Um, uh, so if you if you need a if you need a quick primer, what happened is the uh, Washington Post, uh, the Washington, the New York Post, which is the uh, apparently is the U.S. oldest newspaper. Uh, it's a bit of a it's a bit yellow pressy, I would say, um, and they they ran a story that they'd gotten an old laptop from a repair shop. Well, a repair shop had gotten an old laptop, and they apparently looked at it. And somebody hadn't encrypted it and for whatever. Um, and so they figured out that this was apparently Hunter Biden's uh, laptop. So Joe Biden's son. 
and there was some incriminating shit on this laptop like uh, some emails and some some pictures um, and they, they ran several stories about this now uh, this was quickly branded a Russian misinformation uh, so propaganda uh, by the uh, air quotes uh, intelligence community uh, in the US so uh, who said yeah this is this is this is lies and uh, you know Russian 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 lies and um, I talked about it because Glenn Greenwald who uh, you know the guy who already brought broke the uh, Snowden uh, story which I uh, I really didn't like for the longest time but I've become quite fond of him because he's doing some amazing journalistic work I think I still don't like him as a person but he's doing some good work. He was writing about this, or rather he was not writing about it. Um, he was at the time uh, working for The Intercept, which he had co-founded after the Snowden stories, and um, co-founded on a um, kind of on the, on the idea that, that the highest ideal of the publication would be journalistic um, independence, right? And he was going to uh, write about... Uh, or he he wrote an opinion piece about this Biden laptop and saying how it he he was of the very strong opinion that it was real. Um, he did uh, some fact checking and he pointed to fact fact checking. I'm not going to call it fact fact checking. I'm going to explain later why. Some some research he had done and colleagues had done. Where basically they did the thing you do if you want to verify something like this. You know you have a cache of emails. Um, you go to the people that I mentioned in the emails and go like, uh, is this actually these actual emails you sent? And then they can go, yeah, yeah, I got the whole conversation here. And so they can prove to you that they're the actual emails, you know, that they have the same emails word for word. And then you can basically know that this is genuine. Um, and so he had uh, written about that and he said, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a scandal that this is being covered up basically by, by claims of Russian inf misinformation when it just clearly isn't misinformation, right? I mean, at the time he was like, like everybody, I think I was as well, it doesn't really like, you know, I, I was prepared to admit that, you know, maybe the Russians found the laptop or like, you know, some, there was Russian influence involved, uh, which I don't even know, I don't even believe now anymore. I think it was just, you know, straight up, like like the Post uh, said, said it happened. Um, but you know that. But I always said, you know, that doesn't the providence of the information doesn't change the information. And this was, of course, not only about Hunter Biden, but also about Joe Biden, because basically, Hunter Biden, <laughs> um, you know, never did anything uh, without without his dad. Right? There's like emails where he goes. I mean, the the, the idea was uh, like at the time he was um, at a, he was at the board of a Ukrainian, <laughs> which of course obviously is relevant today, very much uh, energy company, and he was getting paid like fifty thousand dollars a month and people were like why he's never been like in the industry uh, why is that and basically the um what what people assumed was 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 going on was that he was being paid for the influence right because he's joe biden's son and he can influence uh joe and uh his dad and and there was there was some information also in emails where he was basically yeah i can get my dad on board and my dad can help you out and he's, he's got influence in washington stuff like that um and so, so, so this was implicating Joe Biden, which is why the story was buried by pretty much most of the mainstream publications who were on the side of Joe Biden, right? Joe Biden was running against Trump. Uh, everybody was of the opinion that Trump was evil, so you couldn't hurt Joe Biden. So you had, 
you had to kind of sync the story so everybody was like yeah let's run with that what which was probably i don't know probably a cia plant Greenwald thinks it was CIA plan, but definitely came out of the intelligence community who said, you know, this is Russia. And they were like really fishy. They didn't say, which everybody, po well, not everybody, but like Greenwald pointed out, and actually some publications also pointed out, that they didn't say it was Russian misinformation. In this letter um, that was always quoted in these articles, the intelligence community in air quotes said that they couldn't prove that it wasn't. <laughs> Right, so it was basically they were insinuating it was Russian misinformation without saying it was, so that they at you know old spy trick, so that they couldn't get proven wrong at the end. Um, and 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 Greenwald actually left the Intercept because uh, he was at the Intercept. He wrote the story up, and the people he had put in charge of his basically the publication he founded was saying we can't publish this because it's going to hurt Joe Biden. And 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 Greenwald said, I mean, we founded this thing to be independent, to do independent journalism, no matter like you know, let the let the chips fall where they may, right? This is not about we. I mean, I don't like Trump, basically, is what he said, but like, still, we need to publish this if we're responsible journalists. But they wouldn't, so uh, he quit the Intercept and went to Substack, which he's been writing ever since uh, independently on Substack. It seems to be. Uh, quite successful doing so and um yeah so um so obviously he's been following the story and today he's published uh, a piece on substack where he writes about an article that the new york times published this morning uh which basically uh confirms everything greenwald said uh in november 2020 or even like that was even like october right end of october uh 2020 which basically proves that all these articles and all these fact checks, uh, in air quotes, that were published uh, back back in the day were all wrong and embarrassingly wrong. Um, so so Greenwald writes about this. Uh, he writes about the following. Uh, he writes about this. He writes the following about this. I can't talk. I need more coffee. Uh, it's been a long day. Um, this morning, the New York Times published an article about the broad, ongoing FBI criminal investigation into Hunter Biden's international business and tax activities. Prior to the election, the Times, to their credit, was one of the few to apply skepticism to the CIA's pre-election lie, noting, which is, you know, that, that Russian misinformation story, noting on October the 22nd that, quote, no concrete evidence has emerged that the laptop contains Russian disinformation. Because the activities of Hunter Biden now under FBI investigation directly pertain to the emails first revealed by the Post, the reporters needed to rely upon the laptop's, ar laptop's archive to amplify and inform their reporting. That, in turn, required the New York Times to verify the authenticity of this laptop and its, and its origins, exactly what, according to their reporters, they successfully did. Um, that this cache of emails was authentic was clear from the start. Any doubts were obliterated by publication of Schreckinger's book. Um, I think I talked about this book briefly on the show here as well. Um, Schreckinger's book six months ago. This was a political reporter who uh, wrote a book about this whole thing, about the, the Bidens and Ukraine and, and, and this laptop. Um, and ba based largely on a lot of uh, material on the laptop, which is why in the book he explains uh, why it's authentic. 
Um, now the paper of record itself explicitly states not only that the emails were authenticated, but also that the original story from the post about how they obtained these materials, they quote, come from a laptop abandoned by Mr. Biden in a Delaware repair shop, appears to be true. <laughs> so no Russian disinformation at all. This is just Hunter Biden being an idiot and bringing his laptop to a repair shop and then it was broken. He just left it there. Uh, and he hadn't even encrypted his uh, fucking hard drive, which, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm prepared to believe that because the guy just seems to have coked his brain away or just not been very intelligent from the start. Um, so, yeah. Um, what this means is that in the crucial days leading up to, to the 2020 presidential election, most of the corporate media spread an absolute lie about the New York Post reporting in order to mislead and manipulate the American electorate. And now we come to the point that's even more important. I mean, this stuff's important to me. I talk about this all the time because I'm a journalist and I'm, you know, interested in, in journalism and, and journalism quality. So, um, but, you know, I always feel it's a little bit inside baseball, probably doesn't interest uh, everybody listening to this show so much. But, you know, now we come to tech and now we come what happened as a result of this and this is still happening and which actually ties into our second um, topic later on. Uh, to continue with what Greenwald uh, writes. Um, it means that big tech monopolies, along with Twitter, censored the story based on a lie from the, quote, intelligence community. It means that Facebook's promise from its DNCA operative that it would suppress discussion of the reporting in order to conduct a, quote, fact check of these documents was a fraud because if one had been conducted that no... F uh, um, because if one had been conducted that no fact check... Uh, was even published or oh, I think he, he mistyped it um, so you know they, they didn't conduct a fact check because if if, if one was even published um, and if it had honestly been conducted it would have proven that Facebook censorship decree was based on a lie it means that millions of Americans were denied the ability to hear about reporting on the candidate leading all polls to become the next president and instead were subjected to a barrage of lies about the provenance about the provenance, Russia did it, and the authenticity, disinformation of these documents. Whatever else is true, both the CIA slash media disinformation campaign in the weeks before the 2020 election and the resulting regime of brute censorship imposed by big tech are of historic significance. Uh, Democrats and their new allies in the establishment wing of the Republican Party may be more excited by war in Ukraine than the subversion of their own election by the unholy trinity of the intelligence community, the corporate press and big tech. But today's admission by the New York Times that this archive and the emails in them were real all along proves that a gigantic fraud was perpetrated by the country's most powerful institutions. What matters far more than the interest level of various partisan factions is the core truth about U.S. democracy revealed by this story spectacle. I mean, um, you know, he's, he's very polemic in some places, but I generally agree um, with, with Greenwald. What, what's happening is that the press, um, especially in the U.S., uh, takes information from intelligence sources and just publishes them. And just believes it, and and even like puts people that were ex CIA, like you know CNN, put the ex head of the CIA on on its programming for several, I almost was it years, like as a you know as a pundit, uh, you know. So 
somebody you know who's been lying because it's their fucking job to lie that's what people do in i mean you know I'm, I'm not even like not even judging them that's their fucking job if you work for an intelligence service the whole point of an intelligence service is so an intelligence service is there so the government can do things and keep them secret right it enables the government like no matter how you like you know we can have a discussion and i talked about this on the show several times whether this should be whether a democracy needs an intelligence service right or you know an intelligence service as they are right now which is basically a a government agency that is that is largely free of the laws that all other government agencies are beholden to right and the argument is that you need that to protect democracy um that's not that's not a discussion i want to have today but like that's you know whether 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 we agree that that should be done that is what 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 they are doing that is what intelligence services currently are for um so as the press you cannot believe anything anybody from the intelligence community says right i mean if you're a journalist and you 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 know if you talk to a politician i mean you know you should you need to check everything anyway but like if you talk to a politician there's at least a chance that they are truthful i mean they might be they might just mean it well right and they might just they might say the truth like any other citizen but you know, um, it's it's less likely if they're a government politician because, uh, but but let's not get into that. But you know, if you do that, that's all right. But if you talk to a spy or somebody, you know, somebody from the quote intelligence community or a PR person, I mean, there's probably PR persons people listening to this um, podcast, and I don't want you to think that I put you in the same categories as intelligence. Uh, community members and spies basically but you know from a journalist perspective it's the same thing um those two jobs are basically uh you know your your goal is in public relations as well as in government propaganda to your goal is to put whatever your organization be it the government or the company you work for um into the best light possible right and 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 as a journalist you have to assume that people who do this will lie or will at least not t- tell the full truth and hide things um you know to make uh to make whatever they're doing uh, appear better that's that's their fucking job so i've you know so 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 i think we know it's, it's right and um you know I mean, you can put it less polemic but basically it is somewhat of an unholy trinity because like the First of all, the journalists are uh, just believing shit that comes straight from the inter- in, in you know basically the CIA in the US, and then they're publishing that, and then big tech, i.e. Microsoft, you know the, the cloud companies, Microsoft, uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, those those the, the companies who run the big, um, you know, public parts of the web, Amazon. Um, they they are aligned with this, right? They are, um, especially when we get to the topic that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, which is hate hate speech. They're like on on one side, right? The journalists are writing about how hate speech is so bad, and then they're saying, you know, the big tech companies need to need to filter and censor more hate speech, and then, you know, uh, and and I think to a large extent, you know this is born out of the government the intelligence community which is using the press and is using these tech companies um 
to censor stuff they don't want published. Um, and this is, I mean, what Greenwald means by historic importance is that we know this for a fact. Now, in this case, in this case, this, this is not a conspiracy theory. This is what happened. People in the intelligence community, whoever those were, lied about this laptop, or at least, you know, they didn't really lie. They just heavy-handedly misdirected, and the press just ran with it. And, and, you know, parts of the press claiming to do fact-checks, which they, like, I just hate this. Like, I wrote on Twitter today that basically when somebody says fact-check, now we have to assume it's propaganda. Right, it's just like the like recently uh, we had the thing where um, some basically there was the, 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 the there was a story out there or there, there was the idea out there that there were uh, that there are um, you know relatively secret uh, bioweapons labs in Ukraine and, and there was the worry that the Russians might in their invasion might you know seize them um, and the press the mainstream press and their fact checkers were working very hard for about two weeks to tell everybody that this was a conspiracy theory and that they'd fact checked that and that there were no secret bioweapons labs. And well, what they said, there were no bioweapons labs. We're talking about secret bioweapons labs. Right? If you think about that, just, 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 just divorce that from everything, you know, you can't like the, the the idea of fact checking something like this is ludicrous. You do you how do you fact check that that there's a secret lab somewhere? You don't know, <laughs> you know. You just don't know. The only thing you know is that it not exists. It might be very well hidden, and you might not know about it. So that very idea is ludicrous. But like the mainstream reader, like the, the somebody who just reads the New York Times, and I mean, largely this is a U.S. problem. But wherever you are in the world, it just gets. Um, it just gets amplified everywhere, right? Because the German press just basically, and I I know this, I mean, you can, um, I mean, I've, 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 first of all, I've seen it happen firsthand, uh, um, not not in a, in a political arena, but I've talked to people who work in these areas and they, they say it's just the same thing. You know, the German press largely just copies off what the American press did the previous night. And like for some, you know, it, it's not, um, it's not even, um, I mean, it's understandable because they don't have any people. And like, if the New York Times, like in the U S that, that, that many people, right. They might have a, have an office in Washington, whatever, and a few people there, but like, they can't do like, uh, they don't have the sources and everything. And if the New York times goes, yeah, we've checked this and you generally trust, trust the New York times, then you just defer to them. That's just how the news works. That in itself isn't bad, but like, if if the if if the US press continues to do stupid things like this right the german press if they were actually good journalists they would go like no with this story like the last journalist in germany must now understand that you can't just copy this stuff because it's like the american press obviously does idiotic things you know like just believing propaganda from their own intelligence service like in this case right um, but they they don't do that because they they're too much right. They they read the New York Times all day, so they think like New York Times journalists, and they're all aligned. They're all like largely political politically aligned. They're all you know somewhat on the left uh, progressive people, um, and they've largely scared everybody else out of the newsrooms. Um, which that sounds like a conspiracy theory, but that you know that's just the way it is. 
Um, you can see, you, I can, for every, I mean, in the US, I don't really know so much, but in Germany, for every big publication, Der Spiegel, Die Zeit, SZ, Süddeutsche Zeitung, that is, the, uh, well, the FZ is a bit of a, they were relatively conservative from the beginning, but like for those big three, probably also for the FZ, I can, I can tell you of several, um, you know, more conservative leaning, uh, you know, center right leaning journalists that are not there anymore. Uh, you know, because uh, for obvious reasons, because you know they they were like Greenwald, they were writing stuff that the the the, the political mainstream, I would say, in the news newsroom deemed um, not savory and didn't want to publish. And then you just get you know, it's not like you get fired, but you basically at some point you don't want to work there uh, anymore on your own. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Indie Gaming access. if you can't find the secret lab, does that not confirm the fact that it's indeed secret? Yeah, or that it doesn't exist, right? <laughs> but it might also just be very secret, yes. Um, but to finish that story, that was so ludicrous because uh, this week, last week, it actually came out in a, was it a Senate hearing where Victoria, Victoria Newland, who, you know, did the whole, oversaw the whole Ukraine, you know, the Euro Maiden uh, situation. I don't want to call it a, a putsch because it wasn't really a putsch, but you know, the, the U.S. involvement in the Euro Maiden situation for Obama. You know, Victoria Newland. Uh, I've I've played a, a sound clip from her before. She's the woman who, in that leaked phone call, said "fuck the EU." Uh, that was that was about uh, Ukraine. Anyway, uh, when she was asked on under oath uh, if there are actually uh, weapons labs, bio weapons labs in Ukraine, she said yes, and she actually said that. They're worried that the Russians uh, might actually find them. So turns out all of that fact-checking was false and dumb and idiotic. So I don't know. It's just... Uh, the, the problem with the fact-checked is that they're written by the same journalists who write all the other articles and they just don't do any fucking research or they're too dumb to do anything, right? I mean... I, I've, I've explained. I did a show uh, on this on this podcast. I did an episode about the problem with facts, and like, there 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 are a lot less verifiable facts in the world than you might think. And if you're a journalist and you actually have to go and find out if something is actually a fact, for a lot of things that is harder. Like for example, right now, if we're talking about um, the situation in Ukraine right now, there is ninety percent of what probably 95% of what you read on the news, well, let's say 90, is based on government propaganda from one side or the other, right? It's like what the Russians are saying is happening, what the Ukrainians are saying is happening. There are journalists on the ground, but they're not many. Um, this this war surprised everybody. There, you know, there were very few journalists in the country. A few of them actually left. Um, now there are more in there, but, you know, they're doing a very 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 dangerous and hard job a lot you know a lot of them were killed there were several journalists killed since this started um and it's just very hard to get reliable information right so if, if you wanted to wanted to do a fact check right now is like you know this outskirts this this part of mariupol or whatever is that now in russian hands like that is probably something you can't determine Right, unless you're the CIA and you got all those fucking satellites, uh, or you are actually on the ground. But you know, even then, it's kind of hard. It's kind of even based on observation. Like, okay, I see some Russians here and they've got tanks here, but that 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 
that does that actually mean that they control this part of the you know it's like it's not that easy which is why these fact checks are mostly dumb and you should you shouldn't believe any 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 fact checks um but i think the biggest problem here um is this like even even i mean the election is done that's all all over um it is somewhat funny to me uh though in a very uh sad way uh that you know there was all this talk about biden hunter biden and joe biden's involvement in ukraine um you know joe biden's involvement also in ukraine while he was vice president for obama um and as soon as he's president we have a war in the country it's like i don't know it's weird um you know white man one might actually uh you know become a conspiracy theorist when you when you when you think about that a lot but um I mean that that is in the past. I mean I wanted to give an update here. I also want to point out that I called this. <laughs> I mean I called it based off of Greenwald, but I called this. You know when I talked to Mike, I said, "Dude, this laptop is. I'm pretty sure it's real, um, and and it's just a scandal. Not only that it's re- was reported like that in the press, but the biggest scandal is what what Facebook did, right, and what Twitter did. So what they did, what these social networks did, is they censored good, very important political reporting that in the end turned out to be completely correct. And they censored that based on input from the intelligence community. So based on inputs from professional liars, from spies, uh, and they went and started censoring and you couldn't actually post the news story on Twitter, right? They would delete that post and probably even ban your account or whatever. Um, just Im- just imagine that. And 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 some, I think a lot of people don't understand. They go, well, it's Twitter. Twitter shit anyway. This is how the news gets spread today. It's all on Twitter and Facebook. That's where the journalists get their news. If you watch TV, that's where they got the news from. It goes less and less across like news wires. I mean, still, you know, DPR, Reuters, uh, AP, stuff like that, of course. Um, but more and more comes through social, social networks. That is how we form our opinions. That is how society forms opinions. And that is extremely powerful. Like, um, years ago, I remember I was, you know, doing a Linux podcast at the time. We talked about how you get a, how you get, gotta get away from Google because Google has so much influence over every, over society because they have influence over everybody's life. Uh, because just what you know is, is, is largely dependent these days on what Google tells you. Because if you don't know anything, you go to Google and you ask Google, right? And if they don't want you to know something, if, if somebody wrote something on a website, that's true, but that Google, Google doesn't want you to know because it's politically inconvenient for them or whatever, um, they, they can then just hide that in their search results and you will never know it existed. So they can form public opinion. But it's even more powerful and even more direct if it's done by companies like Facebook or Meta, whatever you want to call them now. Um, if it's done by Facebook or by Twitter, because that that's where where discourse is happening, that's where we form our opinions. That that's where 
politics and policy is made. That's where all the politicians are. That's where all the politicians get their information. And if they just go and censor a completely valid news story because they don't want people to know about it because it might implicate, implicate, uh, implicate a guy who they want to be president, they don't want the public to know the truth about that president or that future president, they hope, then that is like a huge influence, right? And and something happened uh, this month, uh, was it now? Uh, about a week ago, um, that actually shows even better of why why this is so dangerous and why we can't trust these people because something that 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 facebook did now is just like it blows my mind it also blows my mind that this wasn't reported uh you know everywhere and it blows my mind that everybody is not shouting about this and complaining about this Uh, and what I'm what I'm of course talking about is um, well we've we've I've talked about this on this show often hate speech um, why I don't like that term why I think it's often misdirected and used as a political weapon and and you know we we now see this because Facebook um, we we talked about on the show several times about their rules and you know what 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 they think is hate speech and whatever. Um, but uh, but get a load of this news story. This is on Reuters. Um, this uh, from the tenth of March. Meta platforms will allow Facebook and Instagram users in some countries to call for violence against Russians and and Russian soldiers in the context of the Ukraine invasion, according to internal emails seen by Reuters on Thursday, in a temporary change to its hate speech policy. The social media company also temporarily allowing some po- is also temporarily allowing some posts that call for the death of Russian President Vladimir Putin or Belarusian Belarusian President Alexander. Alexander Lukashenko, according to internal emails to its content moderators, quote, as a result of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we have temporarily made allowances for forms of political expression that would normally violate our rules like violent speech such as death, death to the Russian invaders. We still won't allow credible calls for violence against Russian civilians, end quote, a Meta spokesperson said in a statement. The calls for the leader's death will be allowed unless they contain other targets or have two indicators of credibility, such as the location or method, one email said in recent change to the company's rules on violence and incitement. Quote, we are doing this because we have observed that in this specific context, Russian soldiers is being used as a proxy for the Russian military. The hate speech policy continues to prohibit attacks on Russians, the email said. I mean, this makes no sense, all right? Like... They're, they're saying in, in two sentences, they're saying we're allowing to call for the death of Russian soldiers, but we continue to disallow attacks on Russian. Russian soldiers are Russians, right? This has nothing to do with the military, right? I'm pretty sure that if I go and call for the death of members of the U.S. military for their illegal invasion in Iraq, you know, or Afghanistan, but Iraq's a better example, um, you know, based on blatant lies things that we know were blatant lies. Hello, Colin Powell. Um, that that was like, you know, I like I like how you go, like, connected to this. You go to any tech website or whatever, right? And there's like, we stand with Ukraine and we condemn Putin's illegal, this is the side note, illegal invasion, right? What the fuck is an illegal invasion? 
What are you people, you know, these idiots, these are like programmers or whatever, like people who never studied anything in the humanities. I mean, I don't even have, I don't even, I mean, I, 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 I quit university, right? But even I know that like, they think that international like rights are actual rights and that it, it's illegal to invade a country because you know there's a there's a i don't know a, a human rights court in 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 den haag or whatever and then you get you get put before a judge and it's illegal right that's not how international law works that's not what international law is there's no police that comes and arrests you saying an invasion is illegal is completely idiotic and if you ever did even an hour Uh, in university, in politics, or in history class, you would know this. If you ever talk to anybody who knows anything about foreign relations, you would know this. It's idiotic. Anyway, so that that was just a side rant. Um, because it fucking uh, pisses me off. Um, <laughs> Andy Gaming says, I'm invading. I have a document to say it's okay. Honest. Um, yeah, so, you know, I mean, this is, this is idiotic, right? Because um, this is obviously... This this shows you that this whole hate speech stuff has nothing to do with like stopping evil uh, or something like this. This shows you that something that is is evil is is evil, and you're not allowed to do it on Facebook unless it targets somebody Facebook currently doesn't like, right? Then 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 it's okay. Um, like what the fuck? No, like either it's hate speech. Either like either you have a moral, a moral argument, that, uh, or a legal argument in this case would be the same thing. Let's let's talk the moral level first. Either you have a moral argument that calling to murder somebody is hate speech, is something we do not want uh, in in political discourse in our democracy. Then it doesn't matter who you are calling, uh, who you want to murder. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's Stalin, Hitler, uh, Vladimir Putin, or uh, Olaf Scholz. It does not matter who it is, right? If you say that's hate speech and we don't condone that, then you don't condone calling to, to kill somebody. Full stop, right? That's the, that's the moral argument. Now, the legal argument. If you have laws against hate speech, then you need, like, laws have to be defined in a way. You can't just go like, oh, um, if, you call, if you call on killing Germans or Americans, then that's illegal and you go to jail. If you call on call killing Russians, then that's, that's okay. Like, that's not how laws work, right? Murder is illegal. It doesn't matter who you murder. It, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, the, the, um, uh, there is no, like, moral argument there, right? There's a fa famous murder case in Germany where, well, was it, I think, was it in Switzerland? You know, the, the guy who, um, the air traffic controller who caused two airplanes to collide um, in midair because, you know, he was overworked or whatever or didn't pay attention. Um, and, and he was murdered later by, by one of the um, parents, I think, of one of the, the or, you know, a, a relative by somebody who died in the midair collision. Um, and that there's no like there's no argument in court where the judge goes like okay now we debate if it was justified that you murdered that person that is not that's not how law that's not how criminal laws work right murder is murder it does not matter why 
literally that's how i mean i'm not a lawyer obviously <laughs> but like i mean that's it's it's obvious right there there is no something is either illegal or it's not there's no like oh it's 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 justified in this case um i mean there are some laws where like um you know there are some qualifications on for example if it's not murder if it's men's like if somebody breaks so so for example in germany let's say let's say i'm allowed to have a gun right and and somebody breaks in and then charges at me screaming with a knife and i i'm just like sitting here cleaning my gun which i legally own and 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 i shoot him and i can i can go to to you know there's a there will then be a trial probably for murder or manslaughter or whatever and then i can you know then 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 there i can have an argument where i can say this you know i have a right to self-defense this this is the only way in this moment i could defend myself the guy had a knife he was literally a meter away from me and i just had my gun here and that was just the best way to defend myself i shot him two times i didn't want to kill him i just wanted to stop him he died right um and then you might not go to jail and you might actually be um declared you know that that they might actually drop the case Um, but that doesn't mean that there wasn't manslaughter involved right and with murder obviously it's because it's predetermined that's why you have to figure out it's predetermined there's no way that can't be murder and you can get off i mean you you can be declared legally insane right but then you like in germany yeah it's like you don't go to jail but you have to go to like a a mental institution whatever right it's not like you get off the murder charge that's not how it's how criminal law works so like even both in a legal argument and in the moral argument what facebook is doing here is completely idiotic and it should be obvious to anybody and it's just caused everything to like this whole this just exposes that this whole hate speech thing is not about stopping anything that's evil. What what they're doing is they're declaring things they don't like in their political view and declaring that to be bad and you can't do it on, on, on the platform. And and But you can do the same thing if, if you're doing it in a cause that they think is just, you know. It's just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. But it, it gets even worse. If this wasn't even bad enough, uh, we have a story on the Intercept now, obviously without Glenn Greenwald, um, because uh, you can even Facebook even thinks it's okay uh, if you're pro neo-Nazis. It just have to be the right neo-Nazis. Don't believe me? This is what the Intercept writes. Facebook will temporarily allow its billions of users to praise the Azov Battalion, a Ukrainian neo-Nazi military unit previously banned from being freely discussed under the company's dangerous individuals and organizations policy. The Intercept has learned. Now, you know, we could talk about how how having even such a rule is idiotic because it doesn't work. I mean, Germany has 50 years of, uh, of experience of, you know, banning Nazi symbols and and you can you can tell that it does it does, it does absolutely nothing. But that's a whole whole different episode. Um, going on with what the uh, intercept says here, the Azov Battalion, which functions as an armed wing of the broader Ukrainian white nationalist Azov movement, began as a volunteer anti-Russia militia before formally joining the Ukrainian National Guard in 2014. The regiment is known for its hardcore right-wing ultranationalism and the neo-Nazi ideology pervasive among its members. 
Though it has in recent years downplayed its neo-Nazi sympathies, the group's affinities are not subtle, as of soldiers march and train wearing uniform bearing icons of the Third Reich. Its leadership has reportedly courted American alt-right and neo-Nazi elements, and in 2010, the battalion's first commander and a former Ukrainian parliamentarian, Andriy Biletsky, stated that Ukraine's national, pur Ukraine's national purpose was to, quote, lead the, white race, lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against Semite-led Untermenschen, i.e. subhumans, end quote. Let, let that sink in. According to internal policy materials reviewed by The Intercept, Facebook will, allow, will quote, allow praise of the Azov Battalion when explicitly and exclusively praising their role in defending Ukraine or their role as part of the Uruca Ukrainian's National Guard. And they have like some examples like, you know, the Azov Battalion is doing its patriotic duty. That's like fucking saying the SS is doing its, was doing its patriotic duty in defending Germany. I mean, yeah, they were doing that. Yes. They, they were like the SS was was defending Germany. Yes, it was. Yes, but like <laughs> they were still Nazis. This is idiotic. This is like what the fuck. And and you know, just an aside. Can we talk about the fact that you the Ukrainian National Guard has a Nazi battalion, and they they, they have a Nazi rune in their symbol. Like, it's not, like, it really isn't subtle. It's like, this is the stuff that doesn't get reported in Germany where everybody say, yay, Ukraine, you know, Putin is evil, uh, illegal invasion, you know, which is all true. Putin is evil, and this is a fuck. well, it's not an illegal invasion because such a thing does not exist, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a disgusting invasion, and, and, and it's scandalous, and it's uncivilized, and it's barbarous, and and it is evil. I would say it is evil, but um, you know that doesn't take away from the fact that Ukraine has a fucking neo-Nazi battalion, and that you know since 2014, which that that I am guessing that isn't an, um, you know that 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 isn't a coincidence. I'm guessing they made that part of the the actual uh, national guard when the hostilities broke out, right in the Donbass. Um, but like, what the fuck? <laughs> like you know everybody in Germany is just praising like you know Zelensky and you know, a hero and oh look at the comedian running the government and then then it's like Putin says yeah they're neo-nazis and you can fact check fact check that's all not true I don't know they have a fucking national neo-nazi battalion in their national guard I mean what the actual fuck uh, I mean it's like people are always like we talked about this on the show so much it's like right wing left wing right um you either you either uh, a, a communist or uh, you're a capitalist right you're right you're left you're either progressive you're con like people can it seems that people cannot think um in more than black and white anymore they just they just can't, they, they, they just can't imagine things like Ukraine, Ukraine being on the on the on the, you know, on the uh, victim side of a horrible war here, but like not everything in Ukraine being awesome, right? And 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 they can't, you can't, people apparently they can't marry thoughts. Like people can't think like 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 I feel, 
that people can't think like grown-ups anymore. Like as a grown-up, you have to hold different thoughts in your brain. Like Putin is an evil asshole for attacking Ukraine, but NATO maybe also caused this whole thing by doing shitty things. Like NATO and the European Union did some very stupid things in 2014. Like, and they can't put these two things in their brain, right? It's like, it's everywhere. Like in this culture war, it's everywhere. Um, people like, you know, they can't marry things like this person is black, right? And they're probably, they're minority and they're probably treated shittily in the US, but they're also an asshole and maybe even a criminal. Right, that it's like they can't, they, they can't put these two things together, and I don't understand why. It it, it must have it must be journalists' fault. I'm preparing to blame my own profession. I think it's just like boiling everything down to these headlines and these short things and the fucking TikTok videos of 15 seconds. Right, I I always have to think back when I was like I was in Hamburg and I was um I was just you know freshly started my freelance career and I went to this um, uh, young journalist at, at the Spiegel and I was like I got in because it was like the last year where I qualified as a young journalist I think it was like till you're 35 or whatever um, so I was like the oldest person there and I remember I went to this talk by this lady who led at the time I think they quit they shut it down now uh, the Spiegel TikTok um, department and she was adamant and she was talking about, about 20 minutes how like it's very important that we do journalism on tiktok because we need to reach the 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 young audience right and 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 which you know you need to reach the young audience i'm with you there but i was just sitting there for 20 minutes she was going on about this and i basically couldn't really listen to her because i was thinking like how do you do journalism in 15 second video clips and i've since you know Maybe I'm old, but I am old. Uh, but I formed the opinion that it's um, it, it's impossible. You know, journalism just journalism is not saying, and and that's something that I think a lot of journalists these days think, which is bad, especially like in in mainstream in TV and in in newspapers, where they 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 think journalism is about telling the reader something like what they think is a fact or whatever, right? They they tell them how it is. But to me, that's not journalism. To me, journalism is trying to tell somebody what, like there's a famous, it's actually written in, in the Spiegel's headquarter when you go up the stairway. Um, it says, uh, uh, um, uh, is it schreiben, schreiben was ist? So write what is. Like, you know, just, just write what you see is happening. That is true. But journalism is also explaining how you got there, I think. Um, especially in today's world where everything is very, very um, gray, right? Where we, we talked about the situation in Ukraine, which you can't like, I'm, I'm, I want to do an episode on what's happening there, but I really can't because you, you, you don't get any information that you can verify. So when you're talking about like, okay, the Russians captured this city. Like you can't just do a 15 second video going like or a headline the Russians captured the city. You have to go and explain where you got that information from. And then you have to say, well, you know, this is from a Russian government source. And then you have to say, maybe we can't trust them because there's a war going on and we don't have people on the ground because they, the Russians will fucking shoot them even though they're wearing press vests. So we, we don't know. We can't verify this. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think I think. You can't do that. But like, I think 
maybe I'm I'm gonna be old man fat now for a bit more. Um, I think we we're getting a generation of people who don't care about that, who just go, I just want the 15 seconds, what's going on there, right? And they they, they lose all um, all ability to to critically think about things. Um, Astral C says there's a big victim grief culture today and governments and big companies exploit it. Hmm. Yeah, that's probably one of the things, right? And, you know, I mean, Ukraine Ukraine is the victim here. And they're, they're very, you know, especially the civilian population. Of course they're the victim. But, like, I, I'm not even disputing that. The problem is, like, you have to, like, yes, accepting that in your head, you still have to, like, think further, right? So if, if, you, if you go, like, oh, Ukrainians are victims, and then you hear a big in Germany right now. That, so the position is... Uh, illegal invasion, Putin is evil, so we need to help Ukraine, so that sent them weapons, right? And that just, that step is just like, yes, you can say they're victims, and this shouldn't be happening to them. And yes, we should help them if we can, but then you have to think like, you have to think a step further. What happens if we, if we, if we help, if we give them weapons? What, what, what happens? We will prolong that war. Right, because that these weapons that we're sending them are presumably going to be used to shoot people, and you know there there might be Russians and we might not like them, but they will be victims, and and you know uh, war doesn't doesn't easily stop because like you know uh, if you give if you arm the other side, it's just going to prolong the war, and 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 like you have to think like geopolitically about this like if you go like like what are, what are you actually trying to achieve like the the german politicians that are sending these weapons to ukraine if i was a journalist in a position where i could ask them where i could you know we we have an interview right i'm sitting down with olaf scholz i'm going to say what is your goal here like do you really think assuming the russians are hell-bent on conquering Ukraine, assuming, assuming we, because we don't know, assuming you, you don't know what the support is in Russia, uh, let's, let's presume Putin has enough support or enough propaganda, doesn't really matter, to pull this through. Like, what's your goal here? I mean, the, you, Ukraine cannot withstand an invasion by Russia. Like, you can ship them, as, you can ship them all the weapons we have. You could literally give them all the weapons, and it doesn't matter. Russia will win this war by sheer, like, force. They will win this war like they won World War II. Germany had, uh, in, in World War II, on the Eastern Front, if you, if you read some history books about it, Germany had, was, was vastly superior, had vastly superior weapons, better, better, it went from, like, literally better handguns, better tanks, more ammunition, a better supply train, uh, better trained soldiers better tactics better strategy and still lost the war because russia just like the soviet union just the, the red army just fucking you know by sheer persistence won this war and they just have more soldiers and we're talking about situation here in world war ii where actually they didn't have enough rifles there were battles in world war ii where the russians didn't have enough rifles and they gave every third person a rifle 
and you know just doomed everybody to uh, to die you know there were just literally soldiers unarmed running across like the front line and the german soldiers would shoot them and they would shoot people they didn't need to shoot because they were actually not armed until they ran out of ammunition and then the russians went all right <laughs> now now you ran out of ammunition now you're fucked now we can actually we don't even need guns now we can just uh, bayonet you to death because we have we have three times more people and you know this is literally how this like if we're talking conventional war and if we're talking russia will actually keep this up this ukraine can't win this war they literally can't and it's like common sense you don't even have to um study history right and that that is something you need to keep in mind when you say okay we want to we want to arm ukraine you're going to prolong this thing i mean there can be an argument that that's good but like that argument is not being had. There's nobody in the news who says, "Well, what what are we doing here? Like, what is what is the situation?" Everybody's just assuming that at some point uh, the Russians wake up and then Putin, uh, you know, gets assassinated or whatever. Um, you know, I'm not saying that couldn't happen, but like if that's your 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 goal to win this war, then that's like a long shot, right? Um. So it's just like I don't know. I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking everybody's everybody's just getting dumber. Like like what's what's going on? Why why can't nobody like nobody can hold these can hold two independent thoughts in the head anymore? Nobody can just ask critically because this story like why is this story not all over the news? I can tell you why because like the the popular opinion is we are pro ukraine and we don't like we actually like what facebook's doing here but i mean this is just ridiculous like facebook can now never go oh we're fighting hate speech because they just shown us that they only find hate fight hate speech when they when it's in their political interest they don't have the moral high ground here i mean they I think they never had it because, the, I mean, my problem from the beginning was that hate speech just isn't defined. Like, people define things at, as hate that are like, you know, I mean, if you're talking grammatically, for, um, you know, it, I don't know, if you go from the actual language, then that's clearly not hate. It's not the definition of, of hate, right? So, you know, um, like, especially on social networks or like, you know, in in like in comments on on gaming websites or whatever you know the the stuff that is termed hate speech there's largely just trolling and trolling but per, per definition isn't hate right trolling is just what you what somebody i mean it's i'm not saying it's good it's it's um it's despicable it's a despicable thing to do but these these people that do that don't actually hate the other person they just like to see them suffer that is not the same as hate you know maybe they're sadists but like hate is a very I talked about this on the show before hate is a very very strong thing right so uh and 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 the problem is that where that comes from especially the hate speech definition that we have in Germany I also talk about this the existing laws we have there we're actually talking hate speech right we're talking um you know Nazis anti-semite propaganda um, where the Nazis were actually going like this Nazi in Ukraine, going, these people are uh, Untermenschen, they're subhumans, they're not human, um, so we can kill them. That is hate. That like, you're actually hating. Like, there was Hitler, what Hitler was doing, he was actually stirring up hate against Jews in the German population. 
that is actually hate speech right and then you can have the same thing you can have like like say you're in a in a in a, in a game um or like you're you're on on in a, in a chat in, a, in a, like in a I don't know in a stream or whatever, and somebody's saying uh, the gas all Jews. Um, I think in 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 the vast amount of cases that is not actual hate. That is trolling. You know that that person might even be like very young and not understanding what they're doing or whatever, or or they understand. But basically, what they're doing is they they're using the worst thing you can say because it it causes such an outrage. But I believe that you know in in a vast amount of cases that doesn't that doesn't actually mean that they actually hate uh, all Jews and that they actually want to do that right so for me this whole hate speech thing was a problem from the beginning because it's just not defined there's just no no different and that's dangerous that that leads to something like this that leads to a situation where you can you can just define something you don't like as as hate speech um Jonathan says hateful speech doesn't equal Jonathan in the chat right now um, doesn't actually doesn't equal actual hatred. Um, um, politically, maybe not. Linguistically, spe- yeah. I mean that that is what what hate is. I mean, I I don't know. Maybe you have a different opinion. I mean, that can definitely you know you can be of a different opinion of me. Um, and I, I like that, you know, you're, you're, you're chiming in the chat. And if people are listening to the podcast, you know, um, going to get to the feedback section later. Please provide feedback. Go to privatecitizen.press. Uh, show notes are there with all the links as well. Haven't mentioned that this show. Um, yes, you can definitely have a different opinion on that. Um, I mean, traditionally speaking, before they changed the hate speech laws in Germany, um, it was it was it was that. I mean, you would. The things that were legally classified as hate speech in Germany, I would say. Um, so the thing is, you don't actually have to hate somebody to use hate speech. But the stuff that was classified as hate speech um, was historically something that was connected to actual hate, I think. Um, so, and the problem with speech, of course, is if somebody says this, you don't know if they mean that, right? Somebody can say something and they mean it hatefully or they can just say it to troll and that's maybe where the difference of opinion comes in um uh but like to me i mean where that argument would lead would be um you know if i'm 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 just i'm just assuming here an argument for jonathan but basically if you go okay what we terming hate speech is not actual hate but we're terming that you know we're, we're presuming that or we we have to treat it all the same so we're going um this could be hate so we'll we'll i'm, I'm gonna say make it illegal it doesn't have to be legal but we're like let's say we'll forbid it on on our on our plat- platform right um yes you, you can you you can you can certainly do that you can say you presume that this actually um you know, presupposes hate, I would say, because, I mean, you don't know if somebody's just trolling or if they're an actual Nazi, right? Um, So I understand that. Um, I think the big difference here is that we're talking, largely now talking electronic systems and chat systems, and that the unfortunate problem is, I think, if you want to see the big picture here, that we're moving into a world where something like this is algorithmically decided. So um, it's often treated 
um, so so the the actual expression is treated without looking at the intention because a computer system can't do that an algorithm can't do that whether uh, in in stark contrast to previously you know hate speech laws in Germany you, you assume there's going to be a court case and there's going to be a judge and the judge will always look at intent um, there is not that doesn't mean that you know um, so for example in Germany um, it is forbidden um, so if I'm on the street and I say uh, I used the Hitler goose Heil Hitler um, if I say that that is illegal um, and it it is it is illegal independent of intent but if I get sued for that and I there's a court case my um, punishment will be dependent on intent right the judge will look at intent and automatic systems don't do that same thing here like for me to have just said this on this podcast or in this live stream is not illegal right if you now go and and you know to go to the german police and say he said that then they look at the video and you go he was making an argument he was explaining just the same as you know the nazi flag is illegal in germany but if you are you know you're not allowed to print it in a book but if you do a school textbook and you're explaining history you're allowed right so there's differences there but i think we're moving to a world sadly well, where more and more of this kind of thing is decided, not in the courtroom, not by humans, not even by like human moderators, but by algorithms, and so we're moving away from the intention, um, you know, looking at the intention. Where I think with something like hate speech, this is very, very important, um, because it's speech, it's human expression. It's um, um, you can say the, the grammatically the same sentence and mean it completely different depending in what context context you say. Um, and especially hate, I mean, it's in the very name. Um, hate does imply intent, right? You you cannot unintentionally hate somebody. It's it's like it's like you can't you can't have murder without pre uh, uh, God, I forgot the word. What's it? Pre uh, premeditation, right? Um, it's just not murder uh, <laughs> if you don't have premeditation. Anyway, Jonathan's been posting in chat now. I have to look some. Uh, sure, that's the difference, but hate speech is just a gathering term and the meaning of the two words isn't important. It could also be called the flutter wings. But that's not true. That's not true. That is, is explicitly not true because you have to look at where the term comes from. And it's not like it came out of nowhere and they just used the term. There were the, the, What I'm talking about is there have been, for example, let's take, stick with the German argument because I, I know the German laws in this regard very well. In Germany, there have been hate speech laws for 50 years, and now they're being subverted, in my opinion, um, to cover other things. But you can't just say, oh, we arbitrarily call this hate speech. No, we didn't, because the people who make an argument that we should do this and that we should say, you know, if I, if I call for, for example... Um, if I call, f um, uh, if I, if I call for all all gingers to be murdered, right? Then that's hate speech, because it's the argument is explicitly because that's the same thing as calling for all Jews to be murdered, and that was always illegal, right? This is not how history works, and this is not how politics works. It's, it is literally the, the 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 terms are important. This is something that Adam Curry always says on our agenda, and I completely agree with him on this. Um, words are important. 
um, if this was just the flutter of wings laws, then then why isn't it called that? Like, why didn't why didn't uh, the the people who want this stuff covered by hate speech, you know, just invent a completely new term and 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 make that into law? I can tell you why because it's hard because nobody will just do that. It's easier if you go. It's like that thing over there, right? It's the same thing. Why whenever there's uh, whenever somebody wants to infringe on your privacy and wants to look at shit, they go child porn, even though it, had not, it has nothing to do with child porn. But they always lump it in with something else. That's specifically how politics works, because it's much easier to get people to accept it if you do it this way. Um, anyway, I'm going to read chat now. Um, uh yeah, um, Astros has a has a has a perfect uh, example of the algorithm bullshit because you know yesterday on on um, on Twitch uh, I was I was playing Elden Ring and and somebody told me I don't know if it, it probably was Astro C um, there is like a monster that walks around that has white rocks right and and he he told me to uh, kill the white rocks or whatever or hit the right hit the right rocks uh, on this monster. And, and and Twitch banned it because hit the white is is racist, right? Because white uh, could could mean white people, and hit the color of skin is like banned. It's like uh, it's like it's like idiotic. Anyway, um, you can unintentionally harm somebody no matter your intention if you say stupid shit, though. Um, yeah, you can. Right. Um, I'm not disagreeing. The the my what the question is should the should the state make or like you know should 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 you um should you legislate against that for lack of a better term i'm not we're not only talking about laws we're also talking about platforms doing this thing on their own right but like you can you can like people get hit by cars unintentionally all the time people get killed on the road every day unintentionally by other people uh, but we're not making cars illegal right um, because doing that would have huge side effects on our society, uh, and and this is how you like you know do you want to um, restrict people's speech because people could get unintentionally hurt? Um, like if you want to do that, you have to think about the side effects this has on on all of society, right? Um, that is always the problem because you're creating you're creating a, um, a, a a precedent here, right? That's why I always say when somebody goes, "Oh, we need to do this," and like even if it's in my opinion, like even if it follows my political uh, the things I believe in politically, um, I always try to think about like what happens when when that gets applied by the other side, right? Um, it's <sighs> And you, we can we can have an argument. I mean, there's certainly an argument that um, uh, that you can have where you can say, yes, we need to ban these things because it's hurting people. I'm just on the other side of the argument because I, in school I went through um, years uh, of this, and and I learned that words don't hurt you. If you like, you can condition yourself. I'm not saying any everybody can. You know, psychologically everybody's different. Certainly, some people won't. Um, won't be able to, but like it's just kind of like alcohol, right? There's there's um, millions of people drinking alcohol, um, and they're not all alcoholics, and they're not all destroy their lives, 
right? And the same with weed. Like there's there's probably uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of people smoking weed, and and it doesn't do anything to them. But some people just can't deal with it, and they destroy their life with it. Um, and then it's the question: Should we ban weed, right? Because of that, because some people can't deal with it. Um, I personally think no, because I'm for more of a, more of a um, I emphasize freedom, right? In any in any um, you know, if you give me if you give me a decision between two things, I will probably always err on the side of the more free, let people decide for themselves, the grown ups side of the argument. And you can be on the other side. I'm I'm, I'm not saying I'm I'm wrong. Uh, I'm right. I, you know, this is just my opinion. This is my personal bias. Uh, and, and that's where I'm coming from. Um, um, uh, same thing with child pornography laws uh, to combat. Um, yeah, but the, the yeah, but the thing is like that's exactly also the argument, right? Because um, so so when you have the thing where they go, uh, we need to look at at your iCloud or whatever. We, know, we need to look at everybody's iCloud. We need to decrypt all public, all your chats, whatever, right? The government needs to be able to look into that to fight child porn. Then we fight that because we know you can chi fight child pornography without that. Right? And we know it's been proven that doing this kind of thing doesn't stop child pornography. And that actually the state and the police, it's a completely different argument, but like they could actually... Um, you know, if if there, if there wasn't so much corruption involved in these cases, they could actually stop a lot more child pornography and and trafficking, and actually you know stop it at the point where it's created instead of stopping it basically at the point where it's consumed, um, right? Um, so that's also like one of these things where it's not like it's never in no case is is it ever black or white. Right. It's 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 no in no case is there a case where you go like, OK, child, it's child pornography. We do this and, and everybody must agree because it's that like anybody who, who argues like this. And there's a lot of argument going on like this currently. We're like um, there's absolutely there can't be no matter of opinion here. You know, we need to do this to stop child pornography or there can't be any argument here. It's definitely Ukraine are the good guys and whatever we do on the other side is justified because Ukraine are the good guys. It's just not, it's never true. It is ne literally never, ever, ever true. And if, if I ever made an argument like that, I was fucking wrong. It's always shades of gray. There's always, like life is so complicated. And if you deal with adults, it's, it's, you need to understand that, that it's never that easy. And that's why I also say don't ban, like, I'm, I'm not saying, like, don't ban anything and don't go, like, you know, there shouldn't be, um, there shouldn't be hate speech laws. I mean, I'm not saying that, right? Um, so I'm of the opinion you shouldn't ban, like, the Nazi flags or whatever. But, like, I'm totally okay if you say, like, you know, let's have a platform where if you say, let's kill all Jews, let's ban that. Yes, that is, but nobody needs to say that. Like, that's, that's not a valid opinion in any context. But like I'm just saying, be careful what you apply this to and where where this goes. Because if you start to apply the term to hate, hate speech to to things, then and you need to, and and the other thing is, if you do it, you fucking need to do it in all directions. You can't just say, well, this is the Russian military. Um, 
you know, it just like you, you can never say kill that kill a person on Facebook unless it's the Russian soldier. A Russian soldier is a human being, right? And, and I mean, in this case, it's so idiotic. We had news. There were news where they were saying, oh, the Russians, they're so horrible. They recruited recruits, right? Weeks before this invasion, they eh? recruited recruits and then sent them to Ukraine, said, uh, this, is a, this is just a, an exercise. And then slap bang, they joined the Russian army like six weeks ago. Now they're in the middle of a war zone fighting for their lives, right? I mean, that's a very emotionally, gra uh, morally gray situation, right? If you now go... We need to kill that guy because he's a Russian soldier. Yeah, but like he's a 20-year-old kid who didn't know what the hell was going on. They handed him an AK-12, you know, put him in a tank or put him on the back of a, a, a you know, a, a troop carrier. And now he's in fucking Kharkiv and everybody's shooting at him and shooting back. Right? I mean, to me, there's never an excuse to join any army. Uh, but, you know, I mean, it's not an excuse, but it's morally gray, right? The guy is not Vladimir Putin. He's, he's somebody, he's somebody's son. Just like everything is gray. My grandfather was in the fucking Waffen-SS. If they had shot him in Finland, I wouldn't be here. There, there's always, like, these people, the, even, that's, that's the thing with, you know, I've, I've talked about this often with, with Nazis in movies and stuff. Yes, the Nazis were evil. They did evil things. But at the end of the day, most of those guys were somebody's son, somebody's dad, somebody's brother. Um, you know, they were, a lot of them were just like, you know, like my grandfather never taught, taught I don't know, really know a lot. But from what I know is like he was just basically brainwashed by propaganda. He believed this shit. He, he wanted to fight for his country and defend his family and his home or whatever and then he was stuck in a situation where he just couldn't do anything else they would have shot him if you like if they go like shoot those 50 jews i mean just just uh, there's a great uh, german movie uh, oh, when when was it made i'm gonna look this gonna look this up now uh this is a this is a great movie if you if you wanna if you wanna like watch the gray uh, want to know want to know about like these gray gray shades of gray? It's called Stalingrad, but I don't know which Stalingrad movie it is because yeah, it's uh, it was made in 1993. Uh, it's called Stalingrad. It's a German movie uh, by Josef Ilsmeyer. Um, I think it's it's you know I, I really like this boat. It's 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 very close to that, and it's it's um, this explains it very well. Like in what kind of a situation you are when you like shoot those guys or we shoot you. Right, it's it's never gray. Like even with with Waffen SS soldiers, it was never gray. Nothing, nothing in this life, aside from Hollywood and video games, is ever gray. And that that's something you always have to keep in mind. Anyway, I'm gonna stop ranting now. Um, <laughs> Elgus are evil, definitely. Jonathan and I we agree on that. Um, Sabaton sings through the Nazi lines, "Algo Nazi." Yeah, exactly. I mean, and and not only the algorithms. I mean, people. There are people who think Sabaton is a Nazi band because of that line. And if they just understood enough English to, you know, it's a song about storming the Nazi lines. It's literally, it's like about D-Day. It's the most anti-Nazi song you could have. And people think it's a Nazi band. Like, people don't, people are dumb. And algorithms are even dumber. We can agree on that. Um... 
anyway um yes thanks for thanks for chiming in um well maybe ban nukes uh nukes are bad um and jonathan says stalingrad's an excellent movie um and also apparently there's a more contemporary and danish one that's called under sanded never heard of that um maybe maybe i have to watch that um actually see nukes are bad it's something i always thought um but i i i'm, I'm coming around i'm personally thinking in Germany's situation right now. So I'm not saying, so I'm against like, um, uh, you know, uh, arming up and whatever. Um, but yes, I think our politicians are completely right when they say we need to react to the situation. Um, but I don't think like we need, we need um, a conventional arsenal for the same reason that Ukraine doesn't need that because you can't fucking beat the Russians with that. I, I think what Germany should do, actually, um, I always said, you know, just get the nukes from the Americans. I mean, apparently we have the codes, apparently, but they have to, apparently they're dual coded. Um, but we don't need those nukes because they're, they're actually, uh, the German government is looking at getting those nukes and they're, they're shit. Like they're just like plain drop nukes. Like they're not, they're no use against Russia, right? Because like, even if we do buy the shitty F 35, um, you know, the Russians going to shoot them down. Um, what we need, what Germany, Germany literally, I, I think what Germany should do, this is my personal opinion, uh, in the current situation. Uh, and it, Germany wouldn't even have to be in NATO. We could we could quit NATO. Um, we, we, we'd have an army like the Japanese, which is actually not an army. We just have a national guard and defensive army, right? Uh, we put in the constitution that German soldiers, like it says they may never be deployed in an attack war outside of the country. Um, but we should change that. We should say German soldiers should never be deployed outside the country. They can just only be deployed against... Uh, and never against their own population, only against uh, threats from outside and only within the borders of the country, then we, we really shrink our army and we just get fucking ICBMs. And every fucking federal state gets one ICBM silo. We have, what, 16 federal states? I can never remember. 16, 18. Oh, God, now I have to look this up. Otherwise, people will be shouting at me. I can't remember this since I was in school. Uh uh, because uh, you always have to learn this, and I could, never could. I think it's sixteen. Yeah, it's sixteen. Um, so every every federal state gets one ICBM silo, and then the only thing we do MAD, right? Mutually assured destruction. The only thing we do is we say to the Russians, we fucked this up to this Doctor Strange law of computer device, and if we get attacked, we just fire the nukes. And we and we probably we only need to fucking glass Saint Petersburg and Moscow. If if you glass those cities, Russia is done. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, the Russia will still be there, but it's like you know, talk to a Russian that that's like their cultural heritage. That's literally everything. Everything's in. So basically, everything these days in Moscow and um, and 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 uh, all the cultural heritage is in Saint Petersburg. I mean, they'll still have an army. They can still retaliate, but at that point, it's like they're gonna fire their nukes and the planet. Is over in the Americans and the world dead, and I can my uh, my novel uh, has the, the 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 plot of my well, that's not the plot. The backstory of my novel will probably become true at that point. Um, but I think that's what we should do, because that is I think that would that would be the most humane thing to do, because assuming that MAD works and that there's not going to be nuclear war, nobody will ever attack us anymore. We don't need to kill anybody. We don't need to shoot anybody with bullets. We'll just go, at the moment one of your fucking tanks crosses the border, we'll just nuke everything. <laughs> I mean, we don't even have to shoot at Russia. We could just nuke Germany. We could just nuke ourselves. Could you, if you're trying to invade, we're just gonna nuke the country. 
and that's probably going to cause global warming and all that. Um, you know, cause the real global warming or whatever. Um, that's that's my personal opinion. Um, and while we're at it, get some more nuclear power plants going. Could shut the coal plants down, get some nuclear power plants back going, get some safe ones, some actual good technology, and then we can we can probably in ten years uh, we'll have enough plutonium, whatever we need uh, to to. You know, in the time we just built the ICBMs, let the Americans tell us how to build the fucking ICBMs, and uh, it's all done. Then, then we, we, you know, then we don't need really need an army. We just need some. Maybe they get white helmets. Like, don't the Japanese guys have white helmets? They don't have camo. They're just pink. They just have pink uniforms uh, with big penises as a. Uh, it's, it's, it's the fuck you army. <laughs> and the ICBMs are pink. They're pink. They're huge pink phalluses they look like penises and uh so so so, so if, if if anybody attacks germany our last act on this planet will be to fire huge pink dildos at everybody and and obliterate the planet <laughs> okay that's my plan uh uh vote for me as chancellor of germany in the, in the next election <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna uh, found the pink dildo icbm pa- party i think that's a that's a, that's a successful thing we can do anyway that's enough talking about hate speech uh, we are already here into the geopolitics so i might as well might as well go straight into the feedback so first off i want to point to a thread in the forum uh, obviously you go to private system or press all the links including this link uh, there's a great thread in the forum uh, which was the feedback thread on episode 106, uh, where I largely talked about coronavirus, but it developed into a discussion between Steve B. Uh, and Petit Michel, who are both Canadians, although I think Petit Michel is now in in the US, but he's born Canadian, so obviously he still keeps tabs on the country. And they're both... Um, I don't know. They're, they're on... It started about a discussion about the uh, the truck driver protest, which is something actually I'm going to talk about in an upcoming episode, and especially the um, the resulting uh, monetary ban, uh, right? That emergency law and that they can just freeze people's accounts, which I think is very important not only to Canadians, but I think it's the it's a blueprint uh, to what will happen to all of us. We're going to talk that about that in an upcoming episode, but um, look at this thread. It's really cool. It's like two people um, from different contact, like from different sides of, of, of the argument, having a really good discussion, a really civilized discussion. I really like this forum we have. It's really cool. Um, and it's different viewpoints as somebody who, who doesn't really know that much about Canada. I learned a lot about the country, just like, you know, I mean, they have two viewpoints and um, I know that I can't take any of them as fact because that's not how it works. But like, if you follow a discussion like that from people also who, who have different opinions, then you get a you get a good picture. I, I really like this. Really good. There's good links in there. Um, yeah, I just can recommend reading that. There's a link in the show notes. And then um, also, um, Necros commented again on episode 109. Uh, this is our listener from Moscow. Who um, you know, this is the episode uh, I did on the. Uh, <laughs> on on Ukraine war in Europe uh, and then you know the 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 war and my take on you know 
uh, on on NATO and and what's going on there. Um, and he said uh, he just he just uh, wrote an offhand comment that you think I butchered a lot of things. And I said, well, I think last episode I said, well, you should you should you should send me straight then. Then and to his credit, he did. So um, he uh, wrote the following uh, in the forum, and I'm gonna try to address this a little bit. So uh, he writes. Um, First of all, Russia. Russia is a federation today and has been a federation basically since early Soviet years. The individual subjects of the federation have very little autonomy since Russia is very centralized, but they have their own governments and parliaments, at least formally. Today, Russia exists in the same borders as it did in the Soviet times after World War II, except for Crimea that was annexed in 2014. Um, yeah, to totally agreed. I don't think I said anything else, did I? Um, I mean, Crimea, of course, uh, also used to be part of Russia earlier, um, you know, famously annexed by uh, the Kath Catherine the Great, I think. And then obviously there was the, the, the Crime Crimean War. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, Nekros continues, uh, the Soviet Union, the USSR, was very much like a federation too. It included Russia and 14 other republics. Each republic had its own government and its own language, along with Russian that was used as a state language all over the USSR, but not much autonomy either. Foreign affairs, criminal code, and various other laws were union-wide. The republics didn't even have their own communist parties. Those were just branches of the single communist party of the Soviet Union. Um, that is true. But, um, I mean, especially early on, there there was a lot of... Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I think I said independence. Um, I don't think I don't think it's independence. Um, yeah, it's probably the wrong word. But like, for example, with the communist parties, especially under Stalin, um, and especially before World War II, um, there was certainly a lot of discussion, and countries were run very differently. Especially, for example, um, Georgia um was was run uh was one um, yeah i would say independent but you know that there things were very different in georgia than they were in russia for example you know um and they they did have some leeway and you know there were like the you know um, some other countries um like you know where the the Mong where there was a big mongol presence or like you know mongol descendant um you know they had their own well you know they had a, a communist party that was, uh, you know, a descendant of the the one communist party, of course, yes, but like there were very different opinions there how communism was was uh, was supposed to be reached and and you know even Stalin uh, gave them significant leeway to do things differently because he realized you know that in a country that was like you know historically. Uh, descended from from nomadic people you know like from uh, mongolian tribes and stuff like that you like just couldn't impose the same rules that you could in moscow so I, but this is probably also a um um a matter of 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 viewpoint um and i would generally defer to uh a Russian in this context because uh, you know I'm, I'm not an expert on this kind of thing of course um, I've never even really studied uh, Russian inner politics the only the only stuff I studied in university that had to do with Russia were like you know foreign relations because of, you know I was largely studying Bismarck um, you know and at the, the time of the Tsars there and you know what was going on there but I don't actually know that much about inner Russian politics um, except from books I've read after university stuff I'm just reading you know like like that comprehensive Stalin biography I'm reading would 
just because out of fun. Yes, um, <laughs> you can make fun of me because of that. My my wife makes fun of me um, often. I can remember uh, back when we were still flying, uh, I left my Kindle in the plane and uh, when we landed in Hamburg. And so the next day I go to the, like, you know, the... the the desk where you can go, like if you left stuff on the plane, we lived very near to the airport, so I could just walk there. And I go there with my wife, and um, I talk to the lady. It's like, have you found a Kindle? It like it looks like this, my Kindle. And she's like, yeah, we have it here. Um, and then she said, okay, you need to prove that it's your Kindle. If I uh, if I open this book, uh, this Kindle, what's the book you're currently reading? And I'm like, I'm on part two, like page, I don't know something 500 something of this Stalin biography <laughs> and she's like I don't even have to open the kid I'm going to do this but I don't like nobody would make this up and my wife just laughs, just laughs out loud <laughs> I'm like yeah nobody nobody would, would read this on a plane other than me <laughs> anyway um, so yeah those were just branches of the single communist party of the Soviet Union um, yeah, it, uh, in hindsight it also cracks me up uh, in Europe uh, the three Baltic states Estonia Latvia and Lithuania Belarus so this is all the, the countries of the Soviet Union right? um, uh, Estonia Latvia and Lithuania Belarus Ukraine and Moldova were Soviet republics as well as Georgia Armenia Azerbaijan Kyrgyzstan Kazakhstan T Tajikistan Turkmenistan and Uzbekistan these were not separate countries. These were all part of the USSR. There I have to stop you. That is also a matter of argument. I think, um, can't we say legally, but like officially they were separate countries. Um, they were separate nation states. Um, you know, there were Soviet republics. They were incorporated in the Soviet, U Soviet Union, but the Soviet Union was not like the US where you know it's member states which are obviously not nation states um, but I mean uh, you know but maybe also uh, that's a matter it's, it's like that's also gray right because of course um, it, it, it's kind of weird uh, the, the example that comes to mind is like the Olympic Games right where, where you had the U the USSR has their own team. And it's it's kind of like, uh, you could take that as an example that that's actually the nation state. But on the other hand, you know, um, uh, it's, it's kind of like there you have the UK, in the United Kingdom has its own team, but then in football, it's like England, right? So uh, I was going to make an example there, but I don't think it doesn't, it doesn't work. Yep. I mean, I mean, I think technically there were states uh, but you are correct, they didn't have foreign policy, right? So if you go, uh, if you take that, um, right? So, 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 yeah, from, 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 I would tend to agree with you because like, you know, from a, from a, from a historic, polit political, like foreign policy, um, international relations kind of view, they were definitely not states because they were, they were not sovereign. And even though I think, I think they did claim the USSR did claim that, but you know they don't have foreign relations. And if a country doesn't have foreign relations, it's not its own country. But then you know there's gray zones either because Eastern Germany, right, was its own country, and and technically had had foreign relations, but really didn't, right? They just did what the USSR 
said they would a, a absolute puppet state so it's it's one of these great points but anyway i just i'm going to continue to read out what um, necro says um these were not separate countries so these were all parts of the ussr in po- in a po- in the podcast you refer to belarus and ukraine as countries in the soviet sphere of influence that is a mistake they were not in the soviet sphere they were soviet themselves as much as much as russia well but like Soviets just means, you know, a Soviet republic, right? Um, I mean, Soviets, in, in Germany, we say Räterepublik, so it just means they had Soviets. Uh, Eastern Germany had Soviets, right? And, and I, I would have said Eastern Germany was Soviet, but, like, technically, I think it wasn't because they weren't called Soviets, and it was not officially called Soviet Germany. Um, so, um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I think maybe you're technically right. Maybe I was technically wrong. I'm, I'm still not seeing that. Um, that 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 led me to wrong conclusions but maybe it did anyway i'm gonna continue with what uh, uh nick ross is saying here um the treaty of friendship cooperation and mutual assistance commonly known as the warsaw pact yeah because it's just a fucking propaganda term was a collective defense treaty pretty much like nato this was the immediate sphere of soviet military influence in europe it included besides the ussr as a whole republic set no individual foreign relations poland east germany romania hungary czechoslovakia albania and bulgaria there was also an economical pact that included all the same countries vietnam cuba and mongolia and also Yugoslavia as, a, as an associate member. The USSR was keen on keeping those as buffer states, not Ukraine or Belarus, those were USSR proper, and even invaded uh, when they were likely to defect. Bulgaria in 1956, Czechoslovakia in 1968, East Germany had Soviet troops deployed all along, and Poland came close in 1980, but no military invasion took place. Yeah, see, I think... Um, uh, maybe you're probably right. I, uh, I probably made some technical mistakes there. Like my main point was basically only only this: there's Russia, and then there to me, right? To me, um, speaking in a speaking big picture. In the Cold War and today, but like in the Cold War, there was Russia, and then there was a bunch of countries which I would call in the sphere of Russian influence, and. To me, as somebody who's not Russian and, and not, not that much interested in the internal politics in this case, but in geopolitics, it doesn't really matter if Ukraine is part of something called the USSR. It is like literally not Russia, right? So, so geopolitically, it was always a country that, you know, if for Stalin, for example, it was, uh, uh, it was um, what's, what's the word, um, expendable. Right, and for Stalin it was literally expendable. I mean, the Holodomor he called, killed like millions of Ukrainians because he ch- he shipped the whole wheat to Moscow because he was like Russians are more important to me than ethnic Ukrainians, so we can starve them and then we have something to eat. Um, so th- that's basically what I meant, um, and I I don't actually. Uh, 
don't want to get too hung up in the technical actual terms because they don't really matter in, the, in what, what I was trying to discuss. What I'm saying is that Russia, historically speaking, has built a, 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 a buffer countries. And there are different levels of buffer, right? Either they're in the USSR or they're, they're like, they're in the Warsaw Pact. But like from a geopolitical perspective, the difference between East Germany and Ukraine was negligible. Like for the Russian, for the Soviet government, but like, you know, the Russians, basically, if I, if you want to simplify it, they were expendable countries, but there was so much in the sphere of influence. Like, you know, if, if NATO invaded East Germany or invaded Ukraine, it would have been the same thing. Like, you know, the Russians would have declared war. Um, so doesn't really matter. And, and the, 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 the purpose was, was, was the same to me to have a, uh, a stretch of countries that are between your enemy and your heartland. Because, you know, I, I wrote about this. I probably should put a link in the show notes. Um, I wrote a, uh, I started um, uh, a newsletter about this whole geopolitics thing. Uh, it's called realpolitik.news. Um, and I, I wrote uh, a longer uh, article about this um, called NATO expansion and Putin's war in Ukraine, where, where I talk about this, where I basically uh, talk about the fact that, um, there's Russia and then because both of Russia's capitals or historic capitals, so both Moscow and St. Petersburg, are relatively close to Europe. Like Russia is a huge country that stretches two continents and extends from Europe all the way to the other side of Asia. But, and this is very important, especially in history, because Moscow and St. Petersburg were so close to Europe, it was always essentially geopolitically a European country and always involved in European politics. And if you look at the modern, uh, modern history, you know, anything since the Middle Ages, um, like all the wars on the continent, Russia is involved, right? They're all European wars, all the big ones, Russia is involved. And I have this theory, which I don't know who came up with, it's not my theory, but like that, that Russia built this wall of buffer countries between actual Russia and the rest of Europe because Moscow and St. Petersburg are very close to Europe, right? And if your NATO border is in fucking Ukraine and in uh, in the Baltic states, then you're very close to, well, Ukraine, not so much the Baltic states very much, you're very close to Moscow. And the Russians know how that feel because Napoleon went all the way to Moscow and, you know, they had to burn it down to stop him. Um, and, you know, Hitler almost did, um, and so I think there's, like my theory is, there's a national fear in Russia. And it has persisted. Like this is this was under under the Tsars, this was under Stalin, and it's under Yeltsin, and it's under Putin. It's like the, the national fear that, you know, you get attacked from Europe and you need like this buffer zone. And I think for Putin, it's a really um, specifically bad case of this because Putin is a KGB agent. He's a Czechist. He was brought up. He was a he was a spy in Germany in the eighties. You know what is eighty three till the nineties when the when the when the USSR fell. He was in Germany working undercover for the KGB. So and the KGB, you know, the sword and shield is specifically was specifically built with one of one of the purposes was to enforce this. 
right, to protect the country and to protect the heartland. So I think it's like, so to speak, in his pathology. It's like that's Putin's pathology. Um. <laughs> Jonathan says, put it in the cloud on premises dead. <laughs> yeah, just just put Moscow in the cloud. But anyway, I'm going to link that in the show notes. Um, uh, Nikros ends with Albania quit the Warsaw Pact and pra practically quit the Economical Union in 1968. I don't know how the Soviets let that be. My guess is that Albania was separated geographically. There was Yugoslavia between it and the rest of the pact. And after it became clear that Yugoslavia would not join, trying to hold on to Albania was considered not worth it. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. I mean, I definitely made some mistakes there. It's no surprise. This is not, not my special... Uh, not my specifically my area of expertise. Um, it's just something I've I've always always been interested in, um, and you know my my theory might be completely wrong, but that's just how I analyzed the last I don't know four hundred years in Europe, and I always go back to Bismarck. That's why I call this uh, newsletter Realpolitik, and it has Bismarck in the eye, in the logo because Bismarck was always uh, insisting. Bismarck basically said, if you look at Europe and you look at where Germany is and you look at all the other countries, um, you, when you do foreign politics in Germany, you, you got to come to an understanding with Russia. Because if, if Russia is against you and there's a major war, you're fucked as Germany, right? If you're France or Spain or, you know, you have more of a buffer, like then Germany's your buffer. If you're the UK, you're all right. You got to see... Um, you know, but Germany is right there, um, you know, and the Russians even, you know, this is way before World War I, uh, had a history of just marching through Poland, <laughs> right? Um, also, Germany extended a bit more further east uh, in, 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 in Bismarck's time. But, um, yeah, and I think, um, I mean, that, 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 was, that was such good vis wisdom that was proven right in two world wars afterwards, and it's still right today. Um, I think, um, and I, I'm not saying that what Putin did is in any way, shape or form justified. I'm saying it's understandable. If you look at it from a geopolitical standpoint, it's completely understandable. It's ruthless and it's evil, but it, it is completely understandable. It's like, it's like as understandable, um, as like, um, you know, if you look at what Hitler was trying to do in World War II, um, well, some of it was understandable. <laughs> you know, attacking Russia, not understandable, plain dumb. But like, um, you know, that doesn't mean I agree with what Hitler did or that it isn't horrible. But, you know, there's like, like strategically, you can say, okay, if you just like on a, if you abstract this, if you just treat it as a game of risk or diplomacy, it's like you can see what what's been trying to what what somebody's trying to achieve and how they're doing that and what i just object to for example in the media right now especially in germany is like the media going is completely not understandable what putin is doing and our politicians going it was we could not have foreseen this and i'm like what the fuck how can you be foreign minister if you have not the single like most clue about geopolitics and you can't see how this actually makes sense 
if you're an evil, ruthless motherfucker, right? Um, but you have, like, you know, that you can say, I'm surprised that Putin did this because I thought he was a better guy than that. That You can say that, yes. Um, but you can't say this is like, this is like from some, this is like completely uh, barbaric and, and not European and something like this has never happened in Europe and what the fuck, even, especially if the war has been going since 2014. Like, that's just plain dumb. That's just like shows that you have no understanding of history. You have no understanding of power politics. You have no understanding of geopolitics. You don't know anything. You should be foreign minister. Um. <laughs> Jonathan says Bismarck should go back to needs to get back to his Brötchen that he's pre-ICBM content yeah but still like that's the thing that's the thing with the ICBMs that exactly that is why this is all still valid because with MID with mutually assured destruction basically you are bound to the same conventional warfare you know that that was the all the geopolitics is still in effect from like 300 years ago yes okay in bismarck's time you didn't have tanks and it, it it took you a lot longer to you know it took napoleon a lot longer to go to moscow but basically it's all just quicker it's still the, in 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 like warfare hasn't changed that much um i mean there are exceptions where you you can wage a war like nato and the americans did in in, in the balkans right where you don't actually land any troops pretty much and you're just bombing them into the stone age from the sea uh, you can, I mean, there, 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 there are things like this. But if you're talking about attacking Germany, and and you're assuming MAD, um, so you take the nukes out of the question, then it's all still valid, right? It's uh, basically it's the same. Um, an, an attack by Russia against Germany today, assuming conventional warfare, would be much the same like in World War Two. Um, and that's why all the NATO plan plans haven't changed, right? That's why the NATO plan plans are still like, you know, basically going to have to give up half of Germany because you can't defend the northern German lowlands. You can't Like, when you're talking tank warfare, you can't fucking defend Niedersachsen. They're just going to go through there. So you basically have to make your stand at the mountains. You have to defend the Fulda Gap uh, in the south, and then you have to make the sta your stand where the, where, you know, where the lowlands end and where you can actually... Uh, try try to stop them advancing, but like you know, if you're the Netherlands, you're fucked because they could basically swing around in the north if they want to attack the Netherlands. I mean, this doesn't didn't didn't change, right? Um, that 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 stuff is still uh, still very much in effect. That, that having said that, uh, the Bismarck Brötchen, which is named after Bismarck Hering. Uh, it's, it's excellent. Bismarck Herring is great. Named after him, by the way, because uh, in, in his later years, he wouldn't eat anything else. He'd basically just eat fish and cake. <laughs> He'd just eat the Bismarck Herring, you know, like pickled pickled herring, uh, rolled up generally um, with, a, with, a, with a toothpick. Um, well, not if you put it on the, on the bread, bread roll, the brötchen, but yeah. Um, or uh, cake. In the afternoon, he would, he would eat cake. Which I think is great, and then his doctor would say, "You really need to eat something else," and he would say, "No, I'm I was fucking rice chancellor. Shut the fuck up." <laughs> which I which I respect. Anyway, that's it for the show for today. Let's wrap it up and uh, let's go to the credits and 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 thank everybody.
yeah, and if you want to provide your own feedback, please go to Private Citizen Press. Uh, everything's in the show notes. There's a link. It's a contact link. But every sh uh, every show notes also under uh, producer feedback has links to that. Um, if you want to support this madness where I say things that um, people won't said. Uh, won't have said like you know you know my my goal like somebody said about news that uh, news is everything that somebody else doesn't want published and and that's kind of my goal in life <laughs> that's that's how I run this podcast which means uh, I want I won't get paid for doing any of this because nobody else wants it published but I'm doing it anyway um, but there's a way around this now it's called the value for value model and it enables you to become a producer of the show. And just um, you know, just support me, and uh, and enable me to to publish this shit. So if you want to do that, uh, you can become a patron on a Patreon, and support me uh, on a monthly basis, or you can just uh, send money via PayPal to producers at fab. Industries. Um, everything is explained in the show notes. Also, what the value for value model means. There's a, there's a link there. So private citizen or press, check it out. And now I have to thank everybody um, who's made this show possible, including Jonathan, who is in the sh who's in in chat right now and will be very uh, careful and and look out for my pronunciation of his name. So I'm gonna um, I'm gonna give my best. Um, so thanks to Georges, Stefos, Butterbeans, Michael Small, Rodain the Insane, Jonathan, M. Hette, Michael Mullinger. Now, now I want to do Danish for Mullen. No, Mullen. No, that's Irish, right? So it, it's got to be Michael, Michael Mullen. Jensen. Jensen? Is it Jensen? Fuck, I don't know. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. Dave. Uh, 1i11g, nobody knows what how that's even pronounced. Could also be Lilk. I also kind of think it's Lilk. Uh, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Jackie Plage, Philipp, Philipp Klostermann, IKN, Bennett Piata, Sandman, Sandman616, Vlad, Tobias, Mod7, Kai Sears, Joe Poser, Fadi Mansur, Dirk Didi, Rizel, Avis, David Potter, Mika, Mr. Amish, Cam, Dave Amrish, Ricky M, Barry Williams, Jonathan, RJ Tracy, Rick Bragg, Captain Eckett, Astral C, Robert Forster, Super User D, and No Reply. Thanks to all of you. And if I pronounce any of your name, names wrong, please uh, please feel free to yell at me somewhere. Um, I also have to thank my Twitch subscribers, because as I say, I... Uh, I, I um, record this live on Twitch and also play a lot of Elden Ring. So they either they either supporting this shit or me raging and dying in Elden Ring. Um, <laughs> my wife made a made a good joke. I said I'm gonna play Elden Ring later, and she was like, um, uh, "Geh sterben," <laughs> which in German "Geh sterben" is like literally uh, it, it means go die. It's like go die in a fire. <laughs> but uh, she, you know, <laughs> it was good. Yeah, Astro, yes, a good point. Why not both? Yeah, exactly. Maybe they maybe they support both, which means you're a very eclectic in individual, and you should be proud of yourself. Anyway, thanks to Mike the Dane, Jonathan Mh underscore com, L Terrestrious Jim, Bacon the Pork, Redeemer F, Astro C One, who just uh, chimed in there, the Panzer, Hoover Star, Borklet, Quad Damage, Nom Seven Seven One, Halifa, Indie Game EX, Mode Seven is unavailable, Sentiment Six One Six, and Harry Vatana. Thanks to all of you. I also have to thank Bitemark at bitemark.co.uk, 
who for many, many, many years have provided me with two servers that enable me to um, have the audio files up and for you to download them very quickly. So I appreciate that. ByteMark, uh, amazing cloud hosting company. Um, as Jonathan says, put everything in the cloud, put it on ByteMark. Um, yeah, and that's that's it. Um, the uh, show theme is called Acoustic Roots by Raul Kabazali. And I'm going to play you out with some music now from Epidemic Sound, um, which I'm licensing, um, which I have to find. And I don't want to open my password manager here. Um, so people don't I nearly... I mean, I'm live streaming my desktop. That's always a, always a problem. Um, luckily, it didn't didn't show any any podcast uh, any passwords for my router. Um, yeah, I'm gonna play us out with a song called uh, "So Long Oklahoma" by Roy Williams. I'm gonna see you next week, hopefully on Wednesday, uh, because I have no excuses anymore, no tattoos. If I'm not uh, there Wednesday, it's Elden Ring's fault. <laughs> Probably no. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do a show on Wednesday, um, and also at some point extra shows to catch up with the ones I've promised you. Um, we'll do that. Um, yeah. See you soon. Aim to misbehave, and uh, so long, Oklahoma. I'm going back up to make my last stand. Gonna dust it off with my own hands. Black lizard coming, old man keep running. You better get out while you can. We were broke, cold, let in, pushed out. Thought I heard it so to up and leave this town. West they say Maybe California Leave this dead land behind Stop.